0: Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today, we are talking about the Bible's perspective on singleness. Man, a lot of you guys have requested this episode, and I'm finally going to tackle it. It's an audio-only episode. Again, on some of these higher controversial episodes, I would like to do them without video because it allows me to look at my notes uh, more often than kind of just winging it off the top of my head here. Uh, Veronica is not going to be joining today. Uh, she joined the last few episodes, and I think it's a topic that I kind of want to tackle theologically, and it lends itself to just a solo show. Uh, welcome to Real Christianity. If you're a new listener, and if you're a regular listener, we just ask that you would leave a review. Uh, just tap the stars and or write something. And if you do write something, uh, we will read it. And if you uh, don't want to write something, that's fine too. Um, so. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And I also wanted to mention real quick our ultimate marriage program. Guys, if you're a married person listening to the singleness episode, it's a great episode for you to understand what's going on in the singleness world. Um, but if, if you're married and you want to work on having a biblical marriage and you want to figure out what it means to, to walk in your biblical roles, to, to be the spiritual leader, to be the helper uh, of your husband, to have a fruitful Uh, marriage that your children can look up to, uh, to, to manage your finances and your sex life and your, 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 uh, your parenting perspectives and all this stuff. According to the Bible, we do a great program at ultimate marriage.com and you can, uh, go to that uh, website and, and join. It's a six week program. It's, I think it's really well done. We did, we filmed it in our studio. Um, it's got PDF, uh, uh, like a questionnaires for uh, every week. They're called Marriage Challenge Checklists. Um, it, it's just a great course and people have written me that it saved their marriage and they didn't even know that they needed it. And so uh, we just appreciate it if you guys uh, wanted to enroll there. It's a great way to support our ministry financially because it's just Ultimate Marriage is a companion ministry to, uh, to relearn.org and so it really does help us Um, that way. So uh, if you're not a donor, that's a great way to give. Okay, singleness. Let's talk about it. Um, So this is uh, a pretty urgent topic for the global church. Uh, Marriage is on the decline across the board in every country. So this isn't just a United States thing. This is This is a global thing of singleness that we're experiencing here. And according to General Social Survey, uh, in 1986, 48% of Americans between the age of 18 and 34 were married. So about half of the population between ages 18 and 34 were married. In 2018, the number dropped to 28%. So that's a 20% drop in that total. But basically, it's about half of the marriages have disappeared in the past 30 years. Um, in, in that age bracket, right there um, in two thousand and four uh, it was only thirty nine percent and so it 's almost as if the internet and social media ushered in singleness <laughs> like uh, th- there 's just a unique correlation between social media growth and singleness growth and so a- as of today fifty one percent of people between eighteen to thirty four aren 't even in a serious relationship um, and so the average age of marriage now for men is 30, and for women is now 28. Um, so marriage, as you guys know, is just completely under attack in the culture. And the definition of marriage is being assaulted. The purpose and the roles in marriage are being altered. Um, you know, This is, of course, affecting people's desire to be married. And it also affects the way children are raised and how many children are raised. Um, Now, these marriage stats are, I would say, to be expected in the culture, but the truth is that these stats aren't much different inside the church, and that's the discussion we want to have today. Um, Why? Like, why aren't they much different than the culture? Well, if if you walk into a church today, you'll quickly learn that many congregations are more influenced by their culture. Then the culture is influenced by their congregation, and basically, what I'm saying is that the culture influences the church in most cases more than the church is influencing the culture, and that's a sad thing. the The, the Church of Jesus Christ is losing ground in the West. Now, you know, God's sovereignty is here, and He's not surprised by it. Um, but the truth is, we're 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 a weak. Uh, part of the flock over here in the West Um, in comparison to the people that are being persecuted over in the Middle East, um, you know, or in Asia. Wow. We are afraid to be um, someone calls a bad name on Facebook if we stand up for a biblical definition of marriage. Um, So we we have an issue here. We're being influenced by the culture greatly as a church. And that's why our churches look the way that they do and why we're not really making any headway in protecting um, the biblical definitions of, of marriage or, you know, life or um, pornography. You know, we're not winning these battles. And so um, there, there's a reason for this. And you guys know because I'm a church guy in terms of church reforming. Um, the church is designed for the visitor instead of the committed. And it's designed for the seeker instead of the saved. And we're we're raising a generation of churchgoers who are really being coddled with cultural approvals, and we're not receiving the preaching on, you know, topics like holy living, and we're not receiving the doctrines regarding marriage um, or family or parenting. We're, we're not seeing a lot of that being preached from the pulpit. Uh, we're not learning how to defend our faith or deepen our faith through, uh, you know, spiritual disciplines in the Bible or historic. Um, uh, church disciplines. Uh, we're we're stuck in a crowd of you know, like inactive spectators, you know, that are listening to positive, uplifting messages that make us feel good, uh, but don't actually conform our lives to the Word of God. And and basically, the the system works really well for people on year one Christianity, like for baby Christians. This is a great thing, um, but but the disenfranchised. Are the mature, right? The, the church has spiritual milk on tap, man. We we got milk overflowing if you come to America and the West. You want a watered-down, milky message of day one Christianity? Man, come to the West. But but the meat, real doctrinal, heavy, you know, when you read the book of Hebrews, by now you guys should be teachers, but we are going over the basics of the faith. We need to move on from the elementary principles of the gospel. Okay, um that's not real prevalent here in the West. Um, there's not much meat and adults can't survive on milk. Only babies can. Um, and so basically you start to wither away. And that's why the mature aren't, there's, there's not many mature in in the West, spiritually speaking. And it's affecting the entire church. And nobody um, is really learning how to behave and think act and speak like a Christian. And this is affecting marriage and singleness. And I'm going to kind of tile this together here in a minute. And so when you have a church that's confused and, and watered down and, and is again, so focused on the visitor and not focused on the committed and so focused on the basic parts of the faith and not focused on the heavier doctrine, you, you get a situation where the church is, confused about one of the most basic parts of life, which is human relationships. And we don't know how to talk to the opposite sex. Uh, We don't know how to date according to biblical principles. We don't know how to hold sexual boundaries. Uh, We don't know how to commit to a person in a relationship uh, that's honorable. We don't know how to sustain a marriage. Okay. Okay. It's a full-blown mess. And, you know, I think about the pastors out there and I go, start preaching the word, start preaching truth, get into Ephesians 5, teach people what it means to be a Christian, teach about God's design for the family um, so that we're not a whole bunch of people confused on how to do this stuff. It's ridiculous that we have tens of thousands of Christians who don't know the basic principles of human relationships. It's ridiculous. And so um, luckily, God hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us alone, and we can trust that his word does not return void. And so let's talk about singleness and how we can replace the lies that we've learned in the modern culture with the truth from scripture. And for those of you guys that are single, and are listening to this, uh, just want to be clear, uh, I empathize with you. I really do. Um, Even if you do know these truths, sadly, you're living in a culture where most people don't. And um, we've met several Christian singles who would just be incredible spouses, but they can't seem to find a man or a woman who's willing to commit to a marriage relationship. And it's actually really weird when you... Walk into a young adults ministry at a church, and you see hundreds of seventeen to twenty-four year olds all being with each other, and nobody's married. Um, and so, I'm going to share my perspective on that later in the show. But it's it's a weird thing that we got going on in the church right now. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. So today I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this show down into three short categories. I'm gonna do about five minutes each uh, on, on each of these categories. The first category is the reason for singleness. the second is the scripture's perspective on singleness and the third is practical tips for finding a spouse. So the reason for singleness. Um, okay, this is a huge topic and again I'm only going to be dedicating a couple minutes. To each section, so I, I'm just going to touch the surface, the surface, uh, but hopefully, it's going to offer some perspective on why uh, I believe um, we're having such a huge growth and increase in singleness in the church. And additionally, again, if you're single, please don't feel like I'm accusing you of the things that we're discussing. Um, basically, I'm using generalization generalizations. Sorry, guys, I can't talk today generalizations not specific to every person's situation. Um, and in fact, if you're a regular listener to our show and you're a dedicated to being a biblical Christian, the content that I'm about to present likely isn't even going to apply to you in terms of, you know, you're probably not ignorant to what I'm about to say, uh, but I'm, I, I do think it's going to be useful still for you and anybody uh, because I think it gives us an understanding of what's really going on. Okay, so the central cause of singleness um, isn't hard to identify. Like, we don't have to look that hard to figure out, why is everybody wanting to be single? Okay, marriage isn't a friend of selfishness. Okay, marriage requires the alternative, the opposite of selfishness, selflessness, right? Uh, It also requires obligation which is, again, not friendly to our commitment-phobic culture. You know, we love freedom. We love independence, autonomy. And sure, we we like words like community and collective and unity. But what that really means to most people is, hey, I'm interested in having community or unity as long as it's on my terms. Okay, it's becoming very rare to find people, especially young people, who will enter into a, a relationship on someone else's terms. Uh, And that's essential to formulate the commitment and trust that results in a marriage. You got to be willing to enter in on someone else's terms. What do you think parenting is? (laughs) I'm entering into a relationship oftentimes on my child's terms. And oftentimes I have to go into a relationship with my spouse on her terms. And it's a back and forth. And there is a structure in terms of leadership and authority. And I'm not trying to um, discredit that. I'm just saying is that it's not all about you and you got to be willing to sacrifice and deny yourself for others. And that's not something that's very common today. And I see a lot of singles hide behind phrases like I need to find myself before I find my spouse. Okay. That's just not a biblical idea. Okay. That's a selfish idea. Masking masquerading around as wisdom. Spiritually speaking, you find yourself through Christ and Christ alone. So that's, that's where you find yourself. Now, relationally speaking, um, you don't find yourself before you find your spouse. You find yourself through your spouse. And <laughs> if you're married, you know what I mean. Um, in my book, Safe from Success, I share a quote that says something along the lines of uh, being married isn't difficult because it's the first time you have to deal with the opposite sex. Marriage is difficult because it's the first time you have to deal with yourself. So, um, marriage is the place that you get to develop and become the person that you really are, because someone's there shaving off the crap and the 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 stuff that you don't that's not good for you, the selfishness that needs to be removed. Um, so, yeah, you want to find yourself? Go get married. It's a great way to find yourself. Um, you want to find yourself? Um, seek Christ, and you're going to learn that that in doing that, it would also be seeking a spouse uh, in the same way, unless you fall under the exception, which I'll talk about. So um, in, in many ways, we, we have Christian singles that are buying into this kind of self-discovery thing. You know, I need to travel. Um, I, I need to try out multiple Partners, before I find out what I like, uh, I need to get myself financially secure first. I need to finish school all before I get married. Um, I, 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 right? It's this me culture, right? And again, none of this has to do with biblical wisdom uh, or biblical example or biblical instruction. And so um, the last piece that I kind of want to add to this section again, I told you these are short little sections sits likely in the number two position behind selfish, selfishness or a selfish heart um, in terms of, again, we're talking about the reason for the singleness epidemic. And so this is, I think, the number two thing um, is the great sustainer of this chronic singleness thing. And we talk about it a lot on the show and that's pornography. Okay, the enemy has used this Against both men and women, and but primarily men, but basically, you know, it allows for singles to have have a sex life without another person. That's what pornography does. And God has given us uh, sexual desire as a driver that is to be pointed toward the union of marriage. But when you take that drive and waste it on yourself, you find that you have far less motivation as a man or a woman to go find a spouse. And so you start thinking, why have a spouse when I can date around and fulfill all my sexual desires from my laptop? Okay? That's what's really going on. You want to know why a bunch of these guys aren't interested in dating you? It's because they're going home and having sex with themselves. And, yeah. Yeah. They're they're literally removing the drive to pursue you as a woman. That's what's happening. Now, you add on top of all of this a self-focused culture, the degradation and perversion of manhood, the elevation of feminism, the celebration of singleness and extended uh, adolescence, and you create an environment that is violently against uh, a self-denying sacrificial union like marriage. And so in a nutshell, that's my very simple <laughs> reasoning of why we're dealing with so much singleness in the culture. It's, it's selfishness, me culture is a big one, and pornography uh, is, you know, it's way more complex than this. But this is a big reason, the two big reasons behind it. Okay, now I want to talk about section number two, which is the scripture's perspective on singleness. Okay, so there's two sections of Scripture that we often turn to when discussing the Bible's perspective on singleness. And so the first is in Genesis 2, and the second is in 1 Corinthians 7. And there are more passages in Scripture about this, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, I just want to talk about the fundamentals and i will kind of add some points to this. So I want to look at Genesis 2.18. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Okay, so first I want to draw your attention to the fact that it's not good that man should be alone. So God's saying your aloneness as a man is not good. That's a declaration of truth right there. Second, what's interesting is that Adam wasn't alone. Okay, he he was surrounded by the animals and he even had a perfect relationship with God himself so what, what that means is that when God speaks about Adam's aloneness, he's actually saying that it's not good that man should be without a wife. Because he just didn't make another person when he, when he solved this problem. He made Adam a wife, and that solved the aloneness. And it tells us that a few verses later. It says, therefore, in verse 24 and 25, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So catch this also. This teaches us that God's desire in a perfect world, this is prior to sin entering into the world. This is like heaven and earth in one kind of blended together here. Okay, in a perfect world, uh, before sin entered, God's desire was that man should not be without a wife. So in a perfect situation, best case scenario, it's not good that man should be alone. God makes him a wife. And we we know that this has got to be true because without a wife, Adam couldn't complete the, God's mandate to be fruitful and multiply, right? Just be him by himself. And so a couple of things. God made it pretty obvious when, um, when we are ready for marriage. It's called puberty, if you guys haven't heard of it. Um, and historically, people were married between the ages of 15 and 20. Um, now, think about this for a moment. We have about 5,000 years of documented human history. Everything out before that is called prehistoric, right? Prehistory. So out of those 5,000 years, 4,900 of them, um, people were marrying between those ages of like 15 to 20. And so basically, generations past were intentional about limiting the space between sexual maturity and desire and the ability to properly fulfill that desire. Now, sure, the, the average life expectancy was shorter and the Character maturity was much higher by teen years than it is today. But just because we've extended life uh, doesn't mean that we should and have to extend maturity in and, uh, and marriage. Like we don't need to be 28 or 30 to get married. So something's happening here. Um, Albert Moeller uh, shares a really good thought on this. Uh, and I'll, I'll read it to you. His quote is, The vast majority of Christians who have gone before us would surely be shocked by the very need for a case to be made for Christian adults to marry. Our bodies are not evolutionary accidents, and God reveals his intention for humanity through the gifts of sexual maturation, fertility, and sexual desire. As men and women, we are made for marriage. As Christians, those not called to celibacy are called to demonstrate our discipleship through honoring the creator's intention by directing sexual desire and reproductive capacity into a commitment to marriage. Marriage is the, is the central crucible for accepting and fulfilling the adult responsibilities of work, parenthood, and the full acceptance of maturity. Now, I want you to notice just the one caveat that he makes in this statement, which I agree with. He says, those not called to celibacy. Now, this is the only biblical exemption from a pursuit of marriage as a Christian. And so this leads us to our next passage of scripture. And this is the passage that everyone in the church turns to as a way to celebrate and justify the singleness stuff. And so let's look at what Paul is saying. And then let's see if it actually holds up to what the culture is saying, or or at least how the church is using this passage. So in the verses prior to 7, 7-9 through nine in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul's explaining that the reason it's good for a man to have a wife uh, and a wife to have a husband is to guard against sexual immorality. You can go read this in chapter 7 if you want. Um, and if you're married, he's telling married couples, don't deprive each other of sex, um, unless you both agree upon it for a time for the purpose of fasting and prayer, but be sure that you return back to your normal sex life soon so that the enemy doesn't tempt you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Um, if Paul is concerned about the short gaps between marital sexual encounters, think about how concerned he is about the huge gaps of sexual you know, encounters, you know, encounter with your spouse and the temptation that comes with it for singles that are like, Sexual maturation comes in at 15, 16, and all of a sudden you're not having a proper way to release that sexual desire, exercise that fertility until you're 28 or 30. This creates a huge opportunity for the enemy. Temptation ground. Why do you think we got the porn epidemic going on? Okay, so it leads us into our verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 7-9. through 9. It says, Paul's writing, For I wish that all men were even as I myself. And well, okay, let's stop right there for a second. He wishes that all men were like himself. Well, what is Paul? Paul is single and he's on full-time mission work. Okay, so he wishes that we were single and full-time serving God. But it goes on, it says, But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Okay, Paul's saying, Hey, Each one of us has our own gift. Uh, Paul saying he has the gift of singleness. He's called, basically to be a eunuch for the gospel in this situation. Um, he goes on, he says, "But I say to the unmarried and to the widows and this is where everybody uses this passage it is good for them if it is good for them if they remain even as I am." Okay. He's saying, "Hey, it's good for you. And yes, it is good for you if you're called and you have that gift and you want to be on mission for God full-time. But he says the following verse, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right. If you're single and you have an attraction to the opposite sex and you can't have complete self-control with that attraction, you don't have the gift of singleness. I would say if you have an attraction to the opposite sex sexually, and you it's a kind of a thing that you think of, you look at that guy and you go, ooh, he's got a nice back. Or if you're a guy and you look at a girl, ooh, she's got a nice butt. If that's you, you're not likely having the gift of singleness, okay? <laughs> Just letting you know. And we know because the previous chapter, Paul says... Well, I want to remember this verse that it closes up with, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Well, he, Paul's not okay with sleeping around, like with, with Christian people sleeping around. That's, that's not, it's not okay. And we know that because the previous chapter, chapter 6, Paul writes, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, okay? So if you're having sex outside of marriage, you're a fornicator, nor idolaters. Are idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Um, If you're having sex outside of marriage, you're a fornicator. Not that you fornicated and you've repented and you're done with that, but you're actually continuing to do that. This verse should scare you so much because it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators and all the things will inherit the kingdom of God. This is a letter written to Christians. So it's not like he's, this is, Paul's writing to the Christians at Corinth. He's letting them know if you're going to be a fornicator, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That should freak you out. So first, I want to point out that celibacy is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's the ability to have full self-control over your sexual desires. Um, It's a spiritual gift to not have this sexual attraction for the specific purpose. Why does God give you that gift? He gives it to you to focus on full-time ministry, to serve him as Paul did. And this means that if you have a passion, again, for the opposite sex, uh, and you cannot exercise complete self-control, which again, according to Jesus, is even mental self-control. You know, Matthew five twenty-eight says, but if I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, if you can't have that level of self-control, then it's better for you to marry than to burn with lust, is what Paul's saying. Um, but, but Paul, again, tells us why he made the statement that it's good for the unmarried and the widows to remain as he was. And he says it down in verse 32. He says, but I want you to be without care. um, He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Um, I've actually come to understand the heart behind what Paul's saying here. And I obviously don't have the gift of celibacy, but as I grow more deeply in love with the Lord, I can see how I could be more freely, uh, or how I could more freely serve the Lord, if I had been given the gift of celibacy. And you know, if Veronica passed away and our children were older, um, I would actually seek the Lord's will that I might remain single until death, so that I could serve the Lord full time. I understand what Paul's saying here, um, but the takeaway about this is, is this: Paul and God are not at odds with each other. Okay, Paul agrees that it's not good that man be alone. And in the Bible, singleness is a gift or a command for the purpose of full-time ministry. For example, Jeremiah was commanded not to marry. He wasn't commanded to not marry just for the heck of it. He was commanded to not marry because he was going to be in full-time service to the Lord. Um, intentional singleness by someone who uh, has a natural desire for the opposite sex, for the sake of you know, self-indulgence or because of fear or because of the desire for freedom or independence, that's not biblical. So if that's you, that's not biblical. Um, now, singleness is by no means sinful. Um, and in some cases, it's even ordained by God. But intentional singleness for people by people who have a desire for the opposite sex for selfish purposes is a heart that chafes against God's design for human relationships and the multiplication mandate for his redemptive mission so hopefully that helps break down some of the biblical perspective on singleness and um, some more context on that passage hey dale partridge here I recently heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. The vast majority of Christians don't know God's Word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We've put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Okay, the last section right here will be short. I'm just going to give you a couple of practical tips for finding a godly spouse in a godless world, actually. (laughs) So um, it's a difficult thing and you're going to need to lean on the Lord. So first thing I'm going to say is pray every day that the Lord will bring this person um, to you. And at the same time, strengthen your relationship with the Lord while you're waiting. And this has got to be a fervent thing. So you got to be praying every single day. And I know many of you who are single are absolutely doing this. So praise God. The second thing I want you to do is examine if you're willing and ready to commit to another person. Um, um, You know, do you say things like, oh, I'm not interested in a relationship right now. You know, I just want to have fun. You know, I I just want to focus on my relationship with Jesus right now. Okay, again, um, have you guys seen those memes? It's like the old Scooby-Doo memes. And it shows, you know, where they capture the people at the end and he's got like a mask, he's got like a bag over his head. And it says... Um, you know, on, on the bag, it says, I'm not interested in a relationship. I just want to focus on Jesus. And then they pull the bag off his head and it says, let's see who this really is. And it says, oh, it's selfishness. And so again, this idea is, hopefully that wasn't a bad joke, but you guys actually got the visual meme. But basically those kind of statements, I just want to focus on my relationship with Jesus. Like there's some truth to it, but it's usually just selfishness masquerading as, like some sort of wisdom. Um, If you're of the age of marriage, if you have a desire for the opposite sex and you're a Christian, you should always be ready and willing and open to the Lord putting that spouse in your life. If you have fear or whatever's going on, you need to take that to the Lord. Uh, Number three, um, are, are you making margin in your life to meet new people? I've seen so many people, we're so busy today that a lot of singles just, they're they're single because they have no room to date. And so I just say, you got to leave some margin in your life and I know it's inconvenient. You can't be as productive as you want to be, uh, but you got to make sure there's some margin um, so that you're not so busy you can't even entertain a new relationship. Are you willing to... Talk to new people. Men, step up your game here. I'm so tired of men that are afraid to talk to women. Guys, like stop being boys. Figure out a way to go up to a woman, talk to her, get clear, ask the right questions. Um, you know, ask for an introduction, go on blind dates, pursue, do these things. You know, the only people that don't do these things are boys, so if you're not doing these things, you're just a boy, and you're yeah, you're not ready to be married. Go be a boy. Um, but if you're a man, you get to do those things. Um, number five, I'd say uh, be intentional with your dating. I would say get your core questions, your you know three or four core questions, uh, and your non-negotiables, and just be very clear. I don't think if you're going on more than two or three dates without, like you you should be able to figure out if there are a if they're a fit for marriage. Within two or three dates, asking the right questions. If they're not a believer, if you're unequally yoked, if you don't have a, the same vision for children or family, or they don't have, they don't believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God, or what, whatever those things are. Like, just stop, move on. Don't get caught up in that. I don't care how pretty they are. Um. So be very intentional with your dating. Um, the next thing I'd say is consider trading. Physical standards for spiritual standards. Uh, beauty is fading; it really is. And physical attraction is important. I really do think it's important, but it's not the most important. Okay, it's not the most important. Um, I would also say, guys, if you haven't tried it yet, try online dating. I've known we actually have several families that we've met in our church who are married and have great marriages, and they met online dating. Um, so if you haven't tried it, I'm not anti online dating but I just think that it's a great thing to try. If I was single for a while, I would do it. Um, Number eight is, and this is the last thing, and the the number one thing you should be looking for is not just a person uh, who loves God because they can, oh, I love God. Well, what does that really mean? That's an important question to ask. Uh, You want to find someone who loves the word of God. And I say that because... When you truly love the word of God, you're going to love God too. And if they're committed to scripture um, and they have a passionate un, like uncompromising position on scripture, that's a major league good sign. And so I just say, get clear about that stuff really quick and pray for someone who doesn't just love God. Cause we don't know what that necessarily means, but they, they love God according to the Bible. And, and there's fruit overflowing in their life and so for those of you guys who are single um yeah we're praying for you too um man I, we pray for the singles in our community all the time and so uh, ask for other people to pray for you ask for those introductions um seek the Lord in these moments and for those that are married encourage those single people um with these truths and help them get married um Set up those awkward dates. They're fun. Um, So hopefully this has been helpful for you guys in understanding the singleness discussion. It's not all of it. It's just some of it, and it's just one perspective. But um, thanks for joining us on this episode. Um, Again, if you guys would be interested in leaving a review, they are very helpful for increasing the exposure of the show. And on that note, we will see you guys next Wednesday on The Real Christianity Podcast. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry. And if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.